Hi everyone, it's Melissa Pemberton here, host of Mending Families, where we will talk all things parenting, trauma, and healing. Happy November, everyone. It is National Adoption Month, and so I'm excited that this month I will be having four adoptive mamas come on and share their stories. And last week I had my friend Megan Flowers on. We had a great conversation about adoption. Today my friend Taffy Adams is on, and we are going to be talking about adopting through the foster care system. And before we jump into that, though, I want to remind you guys that enrollment is open for my monthly membership called Let's Grow, and it is amazing. There are free trainings, there is giveaways and freebies and all sorts of great stuff that will be there to help you grow as a parent, grow as a person, and just grow with your family. So if you have not heard of this new service or you're interested in joining the monthly membership, go to my website, www.mendingfamilieswa.com. And at the very top, you will see a button you can click. Actually, it's more of like a ribbon at the top that you can click and you can, for a limited time, get your membership for only $14 a month. That will only last until the end of this month, November of 2023. So don't hesitate. Hop on now and become a member. You won't want to miss it. We have so much fun. And um, yeah. So anyway, enough about that. Let's go ahead and listen to my interview with Taffy Adams. Okay. Hello, Miss Taffy. How are you? I'm good. How are you, Melissa? I'm good. I'm happy that the sun is out. That's what I'm happy about. It totally beats the rain and the snow. So yeah. I'm going to say winning. Two thumbs up. I mean, two thumbs up. Two thumbs up. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So Taffy, can you, before we start, just introduce yourself to our listeners? Yep. Hi, everybody. My name is Taffy Adams, and I am a previous foster and a current adoptive mom to four beautiful little girls, um, but we were foster parents for seven years and had 27, 20, between 27 and 29 little ones come through our home, and um, I just have learned a lot that I'd love to share with you guys. Yay. I'm so excited you're here. Um, and we go way back because my husband licensed bit. you guys. He did license us, yeah. license us mm -hmm. like the very back beginning, the yeah. back seven years ago yeah. when we were newbies and he yeah. was shocked at my um, Johnny on the spotness. I remember he said, no one ever has gotten all their stuff done so fast. I said, well, <laughs> you don't know how bad I want this. <laughs> you have not met Taffy Adams. <laughs> you have not met someone like me. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. So, and then we worked together doing some parent coaching and I just we did. love your family. Um, which We're is so one grateful of the reasons for you. <laughs> oh, thank you. But that's one You're of the welcome. reasons why I wanted you to come on because I know your story. Um, and I think that well, it's amazing thanks. and I want you to share. So here we go. I'm shall happy we? to. Let's do it. Yes. I'm so, glad. so can you just go way back and kind of start with why did you get into foster care? Sure. So I always wanted to be a mom. And I wanted, like, I babysat six kids under six when I was 12 years old. Like, <laughs> I knew that, like, that was my destination. Like, that's mm -hmm. what I wanted to do. Going back to meeting my husband, Ryan, uh, he had three boys from a previous relationship. And that was great. Like, I loved being a bonus mom. 
Um, there was no step involved because our older two boys' mom was not in the picture. And then we parented um, decently enough with the youngest's mom. Mm-hmm. So uh, it was fun and great, but like I wanted to experience being a mom, like mm-hmm. a biological mom and all the things. Yeah. So we tried for a really long time. I don't exactly mm-hmm. remember because it was so long ago, but mm-hmm. we're unable to have children. So we went through all of the uh, doctor stuff to get to have children, mm-hmm. um, IVF, IUI, oh, wow. donor sperm, all the things did not work. I oh mean, we gosh. made beautiful embryos, but yeah. those embryos did not like my womb for some reason, uh, um, which is very disheartening when you yeah. know that your job is to like have babies and be a mom, yeah. like that's what you were created to do. And so um, that put kind of a strain on our relationship a little bit because mm-hmm. I felt like I was not doing enough and he mm-hmm. was, felt like he was not being enough. And so we took a break and we're like, okay, well, I guess I'm just going to be happy with the three children that we have. Mm-hmm. And then my friend, Lauren, who is my best sister friend, uh, she adopted three or two children for foster care. And she said, why don't you become foster parents? And I had brought that up to my husband a little bit. And so I'm like, okay, well, he's never going to go for it. But something changed his heart because when I brought it up again, he was like, all right, let's do this. Let's grow our family through foster care. Now that's very important. Uh, Very, that is a very important statement because that is not what foster care is for. Yeah. Little did I know that's not what foster care is for. Yeah. Uh, We went into it in hopes of growing our family through adoption. Yeah. And only that. that. And only that, like that was our goal. That was our interest. That was our purpose. We only wanted girls and we only wanted to take babies because we had three boys. So we only want to have that girl time and we only wanted to take babies. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that is the backstory on why we became into foster care. Okay. And unfortunately, I think that most people go into foster care with that outlook. Yeah. And they don't really understand the whole purpose and the your job as a foster parent. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me about that. Like, how did you, because I know that you are, don't think that way any longer. That's correct. Yep. <laughs> um, but can you kind of just walk us through that transition for you? Like, how did you get from then to where you are now? Lots of tears and lots of heartbreak. Mm-hmm. So our uh, first placement was a little two month old baby girl. And immediately, like the minute we picked her up, like, oh, she's mine. Yeah. But her case was really rough. And we ended up taking her biological sister three months mm-hmm. later. And that was really rough. And then the roller through the roller coaster of that, um, we ended up, we did end up adopting them. Let me just yeah. preface with that. So I didn't learn it in that scenario. But okay. then moving on, we had a medically complex little boy who we loved and like we went through hell for him. And then the state said, well, he has a second cousin in Georgia that we're going to move him to. Mm-hmm. And that really was hard for me because I'm like, well, he's with us. Like we've got him through his G2. We got him through his surgeries. We did all mm-hmm. this stuff. Like we're his family. Why would you move this baby to be with a second cousin? That's half a you know country away when he's got yeah. a family right here. And through that, the social worker uh, had me facilitate the visits between the family member and the baby and okay. through getting doing that and getting a relationship with the family yeah. like we became really good friends 
And so then I'm like, okay, yeah, he needs to go to her because yeah, that's a good connection to keep. Yeah. And so we end up being friends. She Every time she comes to Spokane, she visits us. She uh, cool. t- keeps us updated on him. Yeah. We're Facebook friends, all the things. So that started changing our mind as to what our job was. Yeah. And then when we had a couple more short-term placements, it seems that short-term placements are easier on our mind and our hearts because we know that yeah. they're not going to be here for very long. Um, yeah. If you know that from the, from the get-go. It makes know, it easy. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But if it's that like, oh, this might be a permanent placement. Right. Then you latch on and you don't yeah. ever want to let go because you're like, yeah. well, I'm doing so much better. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So then we had some long-term so, okay, let me back up a little bit. So then our five-year-old came into our home straight from the hospital. Mm-hmm. She was born early. We went through so much medical stuff with her. There was no parental involvement. So we're like, okay, well, this is a totally different type yeah. of situation. Um, a year and one day later, she has a brother born. And so we get him, still no parental involvement. Like mom literally just went to have the baby and then left again. Okay. So six months after that, dad shows up. Okay. And so we're like, okay, now what's going to happen? Like we've had mm-hmm. this year and a half with just them. What's going to happen now? Um, dad works really hard. I'm so proud of him actually. Mm-hmm. Like he does what he needs to do. He worked what he needed to do. He got the baby brother back and he treats us so respectfully and kindly Mm-hmm. And that is so reciprocated that it shows me like you can have a great relationship with mm-hmm. families, like the biological families, even if you don't have all the children. Yeah. So you have, have a, a real, you have a relationship with him even now today. Yes. Yeah. I send him pictures. I tell him about Everly. He tells me about the baby brother and sends me pictures and it's just, it's great. Yeah. So that solidifies even more like our job is to love these children as much as we can for as long as we get to, but they're never really ours. Yeah. Until yeah. the judge says the adoption is final. Yeah. But, and I'm hearing you say though, even after adoption, um, there, you're not just like, okay, you're mine now and only mine. You're still. So my mindset changed with him. Then we had okay. a few relative place or kiddos that went to relatives okay. that the state kind of just lollygagged on. Yeah. And then I was able to advocate and saying there's relatives available. Why are we not pushing them to the relatives? Like what is taking so long? So you kind of go from their mind to, yeah. okay, we can have a joint relationship with the said child to, well, there's family that needs to have them because they need to bond and, and be with their people. Yeah. So it's cool to watch that evolution happen. Do you, did you recognize that within yourself or was it, is it kind of like, hindsight like you look back and you're like oh gosh yeah look at how I grew so much during that or was it really like you were very mindful of growth I think it changed because my my whole outlook changed and so after Everly our five-year-old we started going into placements with okay how can we help keep them safe and get them to what they need to do but how can we also advocate for them to if there is people who need to have them or want to have them or you know, their people, how do we help facilitate that with the state to get them where they need to go? 
Yeah. And, and being able to, like, I'm just loving hearing all the different connections, like the kiddo that went to the relative in Georgia, you still, Mm -hmm. he's, you're still connected to him and vice versa. You know, it's like, just because they've moved on to another family doesn't mean that as the adults, you guys are just like cutting each other out. Right. The other two little guys that went to relatives, I'm friends, like literal friends, uh, do you remember the foster parent getaway that you talked at this past summer? Oh, at, yeah. For Embrace yeah, yeah. Washington. Yeah. So I literally went and roommated with one of my little oh, guys' adoptive mom. Like I invited her. Yeah. She's my friend. Oh. And so that was really cool. And then the last little guy that we had that went to relatives, um, they invited me to his adoption via Zoom. And I was able to speak at his adoption his grandparents gave us a gift card and a thank you mm-hmm. card. Like you never know how much impact you have mm-hmm. and to have a biological family actually thank you for caring for their child or mm-hmm. their loved one was really awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like you're being recognized for um, keeping that child safe in that moment and loving that child in that moment until right. the ultimate. And just like, advocating for them. Like we push yeah. so hard for, him to go because they are only little for so long. And if you drag it out, they're going to have to work harder at attachment and harder at all the things. Whereas if you're Johnny on the spot and you know that something's available, you should just do it. Yeah. That's what I say. Um, so now let's talk to Taffy from what, seven, eight years ago. Yeah. Right. You tell, tell Taffy from seven or eight years ago, what is some advice you would give her as she is in the process of getting licensed? <laughs> You're funny because I did get this opportunity. My youngest has a little brother. We chose to not take placement of him. Mm-hmm. And I spoke to the foster mom who was like a spitting image of Taffy seven years mm-hmm. ago saying, mm-hmm. I love him so much. We're going to keep him. La 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 mm-hmm. la. I would say, love him as much as you can for as long as you can. But don't look at the future because that is always an unknown. And mm-hmm. if you keep looking towards the future, you're going to stress yourself out mm-hmm. and you're going to cause yourself unneeded worry. And you're going to put your own stress on yourself, your caseworker, the mm-hmm. bio parents, the child. You're just going to mess everything up. Yeah. Just yeah. be in the moment and enjoy being able to be part of their lives forever. However long you get to be a part of their lives. Yeah. Well, and then, so we know you've adopted four kiddos. We did. So now, you know, life is just great and you've adopted and you, it's just like, right. So tell me about that. Right. No one ever prepares you for trauma as they grow. No one ever Mm -hmm. prepares you for drug affected children as they grow. No one ever prepares you for this life. I mean, everybody wants these cute babies mm-hmm. and they're cute and squishy. And I tell everyone I need, I know what to do with a drug affected baby. Give me a drug affected baby and it's easy. Mm-hmm. It's just easy when they can't talk back to you and they can't voice their own opinions or their own anger. It's easy. Mm-hmm. It gets hard. My eight-year-old is hard. Yeah. My five-year-old is hard. And it just takes a lot more work than a drug affected baby. Yeah. Yeah. Which you would never think. Right. Well, and I think that's another one of the misconceptions is everybody wants to adopt the babies, but they don't think about 
like, okay, but babies can experience trauma too. Even if you adopt from hundred percent, they're still I have trauma. people telling me that, well, they've been in your home their whole life. So there's nothing, no trauma. Um, wrong. Yeah. Yeah. We just know so much more now and that's, yeah. So that, I think that's one of the misconceptions that that's why people probably see, oh, let's use foster care to adopt. I mean, for cost reasons, but also yeah, because 100%. we know that there's babies that need placements, but that doesn't mean Always. everybody needs to be adopted. <laughs> right. And not every baby needs to be in your home. Like not every baby is a perfect fit. Like mm -hmm. there are some medically challenging babies. And I'm thankful that <clears throat> We have the skills and the time to do that, but not everyone can take a baby who needs a G-tube. Yeah, yeah. And I think knowing that drug-affected babies, trauma, babies that come from trauma do have exceptional needs oftentimes. I tell my husband, I wish there was like a study that does how you take, you know, take babies from foster care and how many of those babies have dairy allergies or feeding issues or... Mm -hmm. um, in whatever the case may be, like there's a lot of things that come from that. And four of my kids have dairy allergies, which I'm mm -hmm. shocked about. Yeah. Things of that yeah. nature. Yeah. Well, and we, hearing you say that too, like we even don't ever think about like, um, you know, you get a baby and you don't know when they grow up that they are going to have maybe a dairy allergy or, or a diagnosis or a mental health issue or things like right. that, that listen, if you're adopting, we're committing for life. This is forever. I'm just going to jump in really quick and take a break from our episode to tell you about some of the services that I have to offer at Mending Families. I love to come alongside families and help them find healing and growth. And so if you are in a place where you're feeling frustrated, you are constantly anxious about parenting and am I doing this right? And maybe even just feeling like you're pulling your hair out because your kids don't seem to want to listen ever. Reach out to me. I love to come alongside families and help them with these very issues. So check me out at www.mendingfamilieswa.com and you can find all of my services, resources, everything that I have to offer right there on my website. Also, feel free to reach out to me. You can DM me on Instagram or shoot me an email, melissa at mendingfamilieswa.com, and I would be happy to see if I can help. All right, back to our episode. Tell me about, um, because uh, it is hard, the older that they get, if they have... Uh, I mean, kids are hard in general sometimes, but yes, can we add on to that trauma and risk factors and, yes. you know, things that they've experienced. So what did you guys do to, um, face the hard of parenting? Cry a lot. There's a okay. lot of crying that happens. Yeah. Um, a lot of, uh, self doubt and yeah. wondering what did I sign up for? Mm -hmm. A lot of and let me also back up and say, like, I love my children. So don't misconstrue what I'm saying Absolutely. for that. I, that I don't want to be their mom. Don't love them. Don't want to do everything to protect them or advocate for them. But the real life is that I'm human and you can only get screamed that I hate you. And I want to kill you so many times by an eight year old yeah. before you start saying, what am I doing wrong? Yeah. Yeah. It breaks you down. It's so hard. Like we raised three boys. We raised boys and 
we had none of these issues. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I know how to raise kids. Yeah. I I did that. I'm like, what is this? What's happening right now? Yeah. Um, yeah. So when we were at our lowest of low, uh, we were recommended your services through our five-year-old's um, occupational therapist. Oh, that's right. Yes. Yeah. She has some behavioral issues, mm-hmm. which by the way, she has been back in OT and she now is seen by PT again because she still has, it's more sensory and body yeah. than behavioral, yeah. which yeah. is what we said the whole time. However, yeah. your services still helped with the other children that aren't in services to be seen to get that referral. Yeah, yeah. So we utilized your glorious services on how to <laughs> how to blame us. I mean, mm. I say that in jokingness, yeah, but you know yeah. what I'm saying. You have to look at We're yourself. the problem. <laughs> and how are we responding to yeah. their cries for help and their needs um, that are lacking being met? But then learning how to, once you've regulated, because we're not perfect and we yeah. yell, yeah. and that's not okay either. It becomes a yelling match sometimes where, well, if you do this and I'm going to do this, then we can repair. And like, it's so cute listening to my three-year-old saying, I'm so sorry that happened to you. Do you want a Band-Aid? Oh, my three-year-old. They talk to their (laughs) dog like that. They talk to their stuffed animals like that. They talk to random people like that. Yeah. Um, But going back and saying, I'm so sorry that I did that to you. I... I'm not perfect and I will try better and you don't deserve to be treated that way. And then they will often initiate to the repairing before I'm even ready mm-hmm. to repair. Yeah. I'll say, it's not time yet. I'm not there yet. I love mm-hmm. you, but I will come to you when I'm ready. Yeah. Yeah. That's okay. So right? just tools yeah. in your toolbox to help you navigate um, situations. Totally. Um, so that, so that took someone from the outside. So the occupational therapist, um, to point out to you, Hey, you know, I can't help her anymore. It's more behavioral. Yeah. Did you feel like you were feeling that already? And that was just kind of like open the door for you or, or were you just so much in the fire that you were just like in survival? It was so much in the fire that was survival. Like <laughs> yeah. she has been hard forever. We called her a pterodactyl. All she did was scream as a baby. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, okay, well, I'm not quite sure what to do. I'm pretty sure it's sensory. Like I don't feel like it's behavioral. When I hear behavioral, I'm like thinking of bad kids and like hooligans and all the things mm-hmm. like, when you hear mm-hmm. a behavioral need. Um, so I'm like, it's not really behavioral. I think it's more sensory. Um, little did we know that she's recently um, been evaluated for autism. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think we knew in the back of our heads, but now mm-hmm. it's like happening. Mm-hmm. So I think it's mostly survival. The long yeah. answer is survival. Yeah. Yeah. And so then when the OT said to you, Hey, would you, would you be interested in looking at, you know, behaviors and parent coaching? Do you want my honest answer? Yeah, I do. It was like, I don't want somebody coming into my home telling me what to do. Yeah. Like, I don't need somebody coming in, pointing out all my flaws, pointing out my parenting things. My kids elaborate stories. What are they going to tell her? Yeah. I roll in my eyes and I'm like, yeah, I'll do that. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then so I was fear. like, there was lots of fear. For yes. You. Yeah. Uh-huh. There is fear coming in, mm-hmm. having a professional coming in because I did parent. PI, I don't know what it's called. Help me out here. Where you sit in a room and play. Yep. Sit in a room and play with your child. 
while they tell you what to do. And it was dumb. It's definitely different than what I do, isn't it? <laughs> I know, but you have that in your brain that that's what you're going to get I know. into. And I'm like, I know I did that and it's stupid. And I'm not going to have someone say, oh, let them win. Let them dictate the whole conversation. Yeah. Let them, I mean, yes, you took pieces of that. I'm not saying that we didn't do learn about that with you, but yeah. having someone in your ear telling you how to play with your child yeah, and then seeing no results from said yeah. therapy. Yeah. 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 So yeah, you're nothing like that. um, Well, thank you. Um, (laughs) I do. I do think that is, I think what I'm trying to get at is that is a common fear is if I actually say that I want someone to come help, then am I going to be judged? And are they going, and especially because you did have an experience already where you felt like somebody was scripting for you what you should or shouldn't say, but then not seeing results. And so I think that's where I, um, with, I just love your story because you are an example of how you were afraid. And you even told me that the first time we met, or maybe even it was on the phone before we met. My armpits were sweating. Yeah. Because the kids were acting like hooligans. (laughs) And I'm like, they were fine. (laughs) But, (laughs) but then to be able to just still step into it and know like, okay, how is it going to get worse at this point? Let's just try this. Right. And by the end of it, not only did we get gold stars because we (laughs) transformed our family. Thank you very much. (laughs) Um, But my armpits were sweating and I was like responding better. And it was just less chaotic when you came to our home, like versus pure and utter chaos the first Mm -hmm. day. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like there's a difference between like going to, like the other service that you had, you went to the agency. Yep. Um, it wasn't in your comfort zone. It wasn't it in wasn't. the child's safe place. Do you think nope, that it makes was in a, a difference? room with toys? Um, I don't know. It, it was very clinical. So maybe that was yeah. part yeah. of it. And they were behind a screen. I don't, I don't know because it just, I like clinic clinical. It sounds, it sounds like yeah. it felt very clinical and the yeah. reality is that's not how we live that's our life. life. Right. Right. I always get frustrated at therapies that say, well, we can't help your child because they're not showing any signs of X, Y, Z in office. And I want to say like, that's Come to my house. not their comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Come to my house. Yeah. They're really good. At, our kids are really good at putting on a show. They're mm-hmm. really good at showing people how they think that they should act. And then when they get home, they're safe, they decompress and Mm -hmm. they let it all loose Mm -hmm. because they're safe and they know that Mm -hmm. they can. Yeah. So I wish that sometimes therapies for older kids, I know Mm -hmm. therapy comes to your house for your kids under three, but older kids would come at least once a month to your house to actually see their safe place so that they can build a solution Mm -hmm. around that. Yeah, yeah. That's what your service is so great that you come to where they're comfortable and mm-hmm. get that's where into we make it. progress. Yeah. That's where right? we make progress. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So then why don't you tell me if, um, what do you wish that more people thought about when it comes to adoption in particular? That's not an easy fix just because you adopt and them. The child does not mean that they're going to be easy or they're going to be grateful to you or yeah some whatever god complex that you have in your brain like you're saving mm-hmm. them mm-hmm. um because 
in real reality, you're tying their anchor to yourself mm-hmm. and you now take on their struggles and their traumas and their issues along with your own. So now yeah. you pile their stuff onto you and you like sink down a little bit lower beneath the water and then add another, you know what I'm saying? So like yeah. you're taking on their issue. You're not saving them at all. Yeah. You're working through with the family to fix it. Yeah. Um. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, I think that is a misconception even in, I think I see it more in the church world of, you know, let's adopt to save these children. But the reality is we're not saving them. We're just helping them heal. And we're providing a safe place for them. Yeah. A home. But another thing is really hard to, for my brain to comprehend is you have people that are like, I can never do what you do. Why? Like, yeah. Why couldn't you let your heart break so that a child can feel secure and safe and attachment and love? Like, mm-hmm. why could you never give the child back? Like, that's your job to like love them for as long as and be their person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um. But then on the flip side, you can't do that. But what you can do is offer to babysit. You could offer yeah. to provide a meal. Like we had no body helping so then you feel isolated as a foster parent because you're doing this good work this god work this hard work all on your own and nobody's there like lifting your arms up they're saying good job on the sidelines well yeah job on the sidelines does nothing yeah so the the reality is there are some people who shouldn't be foster or adoptive parents and so I find that the people that are saying that like, oh, I could never do that probably shouldn't. And so sure. I, I always think that like, you know, it's not easy. I don't think anybody can do it, but we just do it. Right. right? But do. also there's yeah. some people who shouldn't do it. And but there there's still ways to help without fostering or adopting. Yeah. And so you've alluded to a few, but what are some ways that people can help? Um, support those who are doing this hard, beautiful, messy work. Offer to babysit. There are yeah. so many there. I mean, obviously mm-hmm. if you're friends with them or they're, you know them or whatever, then you have to make sure that they're safe people. Let me just sure. preface that. Like you have yep. to have Joe blow off the street babysit for you. Yeah. But like it, it, it's so hard to find time to do anything a for yourself. Yeah. Be without hauling 50 million kids to appointments for one kiddo or yourself. Yeah. I've gotten really good at that now though. So yeah. we, we, <laughs> here comes my four kids, like little ducks in a row, like walking down the hallway. <laughs> um, providing a meal takes no effort. Yeah. Have a meal train, a new foster placement. Um, take the other kids out for ice cream so that the foster family can like adjust a little bit to this new placement. That's a good idea. Just things yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. Maybe yeah. even a baby shower. Sometimes I real, I mean, I never got a baby shower as mm-hmm. a foster parent or as a not foster parent. So yeah. Yeah. Missing out on some of those key moments in your <laughs> life. Um, that would be nice too. Yeah. Yeah. Those are, those are all good things. So um, I'm curious if you have three things you would recommend, whether it's a service or a book or, a what, you know, three things that you would recommend to somebody who is maybe healing or trying to figure out how to grow in a healthier way with their family. 
You would put me on the spot to come up with things. <laughs> Let me just wait. Oh, I have no notes. That's fine. Um, <laughs> you love me. That's fine. Yeah. Um, I think that. It's okay. You can think about it. <laughs> I don't have anything to pull. Like I'm a visual <laughs> person. Um, trauma-informed parenting is, is very mm-hmm. important. So I think that yeah. that book, TBRI, um, I don't know exactly the title. The Connected do, Child. So you, yep, that one. Yep, okay. Um, so that one's really good. It helps you to pull out from yourself. Nope, mm-hmm. that's not the word I wanted. It helps you to remove yourself from the situation so you can look at it through different eyes. Yep. And it allows you to see your issues. Again, we are typically 99% of the time you would say probably a hundred, but I was laid that one percent. <laughs> I would never I say a hundred percent. I like to tease you. Uh, we are the problem, and so we need to figure out our triggers to what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would recommend that. Okay. I would recommend um, making sure you are healthy. I know yes. that's not a. No, that's, that's good. not something. I recently like has been getting myself healthy and on track um mm-hmm. that's why I recently had carpal tunnel surgery because I'm like actually focusing on my body Taking to make it care feel of better yourself. yeah so I think that's really important because mm-hmm. so often you run yourself ragged trying to do all this work and all these things yeah. and you are on the back burner and that's where I've been for seven years is on the back burner because these kids need things they need therapies mm-hmm. we go to therapy two times a week mm-hmm. we have you know, when they're foster care visits and doctor's appointments and mm-hmm. social worker visits and all the things. So there wasn't time for me. So I think being, make it important to make yourself a priority is vital. Yeah. Because if you're not taking care of yourself, then you can't give your kids the best of you. Right. They say on yeah. an airplane, put your own oxygen, oxygen yeah. mask on first before you help other people, because yeah. you have to be able to effectively help other people. Totally. And then um, obviously I'm going to say you because you were a pivotal Aww. part in our redirection um, mm. so that we didn't live in pure and utter, utter chaos for the yeah. rest of our lives. Yeah. Because, well, I still don't do this, but I want to do this. I wouldn't go to stores by myself without my husband with all the kids because they are very good at asking for something. And then when you say no, Telling everybody what they feel about said answer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They have big feelings. For just an example, yes. big feelings. I remember I had to carry my seven-year-old over my shoulder, kicking and screaming because she didn't get what she wanted or the lights were too bright or a lot of things played into effect. Yeah, It's Target. Yeah. So, you know, the lights are really bright in Target. And there's a lot of people. A lot of people. <laughs> and the looks and the voices and the comments yeah. were just unnerving enough that I'm like, I will only go with my husband. I will go get coffee with them now though. Like I will yeah. do little things, Yeah. but you know, like being able to use your services in a way that a, you have to want it too. Like you can't mm-hmm. just say you want it. You like actually have to want it and put the work in, mm-hmm. but know that the outcome is better than what you're in right now mm-hmm. when you do the work and you put your mind to it and everyone's yeah. on board. Yeah. And it's not scary. It's not scary. No. And that's coming from a scared person yeah. that says 
Um, my armpits are sweating. Can you I go know. now? Oh, kids, kids, please, please stop running around asking her five bajillion questions. No, you cannot show her you're upstairs. No, you I cannot know. jump around on the couch. You, can you are on the so couch, funny. <laughs> like, they're fine. It's fine. They do now jump on the couch. So, um, and that's not a battle that I need to pick. It's fine. It's a couch. Winning, winning. That comes from many years of my own issues yes but you're able to see yeah yeah that's awesome that's awesome okay <laughs> thank you so much for asking me yeah. like it's a huge cool thing that you asked me to do this so i really of course appreciate you. yeah it was fun thanks was fun. melissa okay all right bye Taffy. bye so much fun i always have fun when i talk to taffy so um i was excited to be able to have the chance to sit down and chat with her and i hope that you enjoyed it as much as i did next week i am going to have my friend hannah labol on and we not only talk about adoption but we also talk about invisible disabilities which is a really important topic and i think that it is one that we don't talk about enough so come back next week you will not want to miss this episode um, one more just quick reminder that it would help me so greatly if you could give me a rating or review. Um, if you could also subscribe so that you get the new episodes dropped into your phone every week. And if you could share with a friend, sharing with friends and family and all the people you know is one of the best things you can do for me. So if you could do that, that would be great. And I will see you guys next Monday for my interview with Hannah. All right. Have a great week. I'm so excited that you found this podcast. And I hope you join me every week as you go through your own journey towards healing. One thing I truly believe in is that trauma awareness is so important to our future generations. And it starts with you.